Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report for 2020. My name's Michael Laminato and this is a recap of the 2019 Belgian and Italian Grand Prix. For Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator, Charles Leclerc dominated qualifying for the 2019 Belgian Grand Prix to lead a Ferrari front row lockout thanks to its class-leading engine. But the SF90 had struggled so far that season with race pace, setting up a titanic battle with the Mercedes cars starting from the second row. Sebastian Vettel couldn't live with Leclerc in the race, and in a rare moment of strategic clarity, Ferrari wasted little time deploying him in the rear gunner role. He was stopped early to act as a roadblock for Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas in the second stint to protect his teammates' lead. The strategy worked, but only just. Hamilton took too long to get past the second Ferrari and ended up just 0.9 seconds shy of Leclerc in the Monegasque's maiden F1 win. I debriefed the race with BBC F1 commentator Jack Nichols. It's interesting, considering Ferrari's one-lap pace, how dramatic the long-run pace really turned against them, essentially. And I guess this speaks to the idea that they really are all engine and, and not much else. And so we leapt into this race on Sunday, not knowing how it was going to end and not knowing how we were going to get to whatever ending we were going to get. It ended up being a fairly straightforward one-stop strategy, but how it was achieved is what was particularly interesting. Sebastian Vettel sort of lacked the pace of Charles Leclerc, and in that first stint, he wasn't really anywhere near him. While he was keeping ahead of the Mercedes drivers, he wasn't able to build that cap Leclerc was doing. And suddenly there was this moment where we thought that maybe Mercedes was going to try to undercut him. In the end, Ferrari preempted it and it didn't even happen. And that sort of was the first decisive moment of this race because it put Vettel on a completely different strategy or, or a fairly different strategy, I should say, to the rest of the front runners. Yeah, well, Vettel didn't have the pace, as you say, and it's it's quite... It's relatively easy to overtake at Spa in the grand scheme of, you know, F1 race circuits. Um, And Hamilton was close. He was within DRS range. And although he got the DRS and couldn't make the overtake, it was clear that he was within a second. So the undercut was was a very, very large possibility. So Mercedes was sort of getting ready and Ferrari thought, well, we have to... We have to cover this off because if we don't, Hamilton's through. So I think that's what would have happened is that Mercedes were getting ready to bring Hamilton in to try the undercut. And it would have been the classic do the opposite of what the car in front of you does. If Vettel doesn't come in, we pit and undercut him. If Vettel does stay in, then we stay out. And and Ferrari reacted really, I think, in the only way they... They could have done, I suppose, with the, you know, with the threat of Mercedes there. They had to try and cover Hamilton off and keep track position. So they pitted Vettel, which was the which was the right thing to do. The first couple of laps of Vettel's second stint kind of proved key to how the battle for the lead unfolded because he was keen to get back into that pit stop window of his teammate Charles Leclerc, pushed very hard early on the medium tyre. That would come back to bite him a little bit later on. It confined him onto that two-stop strategy. But then we had this tension because Mercedes very clearly set all of their eyes back onto Leclerc. But Leclerc was the one who stopped first rather than Hamilton, who was chasing. I suppose Hamilton was a little bit out of undercut range, but as we saw from not only Vettel's improved pace on those mediums, but even some of the midfield cars, new tyres were very effective at the start of the second stint. Are you surprised that Mercedes didn't pull that trigger first? I don't think... Mercedes are hugely making a big difference if they stop before Ferrari. If anything, they're just sort of giving Ferrari all the options. You know, if they pit Hamilton, then Leclerc can either go long or Leclerc. So I think it's I think it was the sort of rightish decision to let them make the move. And also, it turned out in the end of the Grand Prix, Hamilton. Okay, he had 
there were only like one lap fresher tyres, but that seemed to make quite a big difference come the end. I think what we can call the decisive moment of the race with the four laps at which point Hamilton caught up to the back of Sebastian Vettel. After Vettel had waved Leclerc past uh, as per team orders, given they were on different strategies, Vettel did a good job of being, dare we say it, the number two driver and, and holding Hamilton up. Yeah, Vettel's come out and and sort of said, yeah, I tried to do that for Charles to give Charles a bit. Surely he's doing it for his own race. I don't think he's doing that for, you know, for the team and for the for the greater good. I mean, he's doing that to try and stay ahead of Lewis Hamilton and try and keep him at bay. And if he hadn't made a mistake, and uh, I think it was into Stavolo, the first Stavolo, he went in too deep. That meant Hamilton was super close and got the slipstream all the way to the bus stop. And therefore he was close enough coming out of La Source that the DRS plus being like right under his rear wing was enough to give him the slipstream because before then if Hamilton's seven or eight tenths away that's no worries for Vettel he had it I think it was Vettel's tiny mistake at Stavolo one that meant half a lap later Hamilton was able to get through I don't think Vettel was you know playing the wingman role there I think that's a convenient you know reason or you know explanation but I think he was just trying to keep second place quite frankly and yeah okay that you know, that that helped and gave Leclerc a bit of breathing space. But I don't think Vettel was particularly, you know, sacrificed for it. I guess when they're, when you're in this battle in the front runners, given that one Red Bull racing car was essentially stuck in the midfield, did rise to fifth by the end of the race, but was battling in the midfield and Max Verstappen didn't even make it a lap. Realistically, you're only gambling with a, a minimum finish of fourth place, which is what he got in the end, even when he switched to a, a set of soft tyres towards the end of the race when his mediums really had gone. I guess you can afford to gamble when you're only going to really lose one to two places. Well, this was the thing. It's similar to um, Hamilton in Budapest, isn't it? Where no one else is anywhere near you. You can't get past Verstappen on track, so you just might as well pit. And that's the you know, that's the odd thing we've seen with um the fastest lap point, for example, is that it's whichever is the whoever's in last place in the of the front runners of Red Bull, uh, Mercedes or Ferrari will get the fastest lap because they'll be far enough ahead to have a free pit stop. They have a free pit stop. They get the fastest lap. So that is uh, fortunate that no one else was anywhere near them to to be able to sort of give that strategy a, a go. Because if if you had the other Red Bulls there, if you had the Red Bulls there, actually, now I think about it, you're right. Like. That would have been really, really costly for Vettel. But in the end, it doesn't look too bad. He finishes fourth, his teammates first, he's behind the two Mercedes, fine. But if the Red Bulls are in there and they're looking after their tyres okay and have some reasonable race pace, which they appeared to do on Friday, then suddenly Vettel's finishing sixth or something in a, in a, in a world of pain. So I think he's kind of got away with yesterday a little bit. Yeah, with having a, a another, well, a bit of an average race. Sometimes I feel bad. I keep saying another and emphasizing it, but okay, yeah. it kind of was another. It led to this, this great, Final chase, uh, almost second race in a row, I suppose, considering this was how Hamilton pinched the win in, in Budapest. Didn't quite manage it here. I suppose in the end, it, it did come back down to that Ferrari straight line speed, meaning it, it was so hard to get an opportunity into any braking zone after a long stretch of a straight. At the following Italian Grand Prix, Leclerc took another pole, but it was controversial. He was seemingly willingly caught up in a gaggle of cars trying to slipstream each other for the final lap in Q3. And as a result, he didn't give 
Kiev teammate Vettel the agreed slipstream that could have handed the German pole. Vettel was furious, which perhaps precipitated another early race spin on Sunday, leaving Leclerc in the lead but defenceless against the pursuing Mercedes cars. But Ferrari played its single strategic hand excellently. Leclerc was one of the few drivers to use the hard tyre during practice, and at his sole stop he switched from soft to hard when Mercedes used the medium. It proved decisive in helping him to a hard-fought second straight win after Hamilton and then Bottas ran out of tyre life at the end of the race. It was Ferrari's first home win in almost a decade, and I caught up with Luca Manacorda to debrief the race. Yeah, it's a miracle. Finally, we can talk about a Ferrari <laughs> win after many years. <laughs> Qualifying was particularly interesting this weekend. Charles Leclerc started from pole, but without Sebastian Vettel alongside him. Sebastian Vettel qualified fourth, the Mercedes drivers were in between them, and suddenly we had a two-to-one race for Mercedes. And considering the way that Belgium panned out, where Mercedes was the faster car in the race, this was kind of bad news. Things were indeed made worse for Ferrari on lap six, when Sebastian Vettel spun the Ascari chicane, got himself a a 10-second stop-go penalty. That meant he could play no role in this race as far as Charles Leclerc was concerned. There was no way for him to hold up the Mercedes driver after they, they pitted, for example. But Ferrari did actually have, and this is where we start to talk about that miracle aspect of this race, a secret weapon, a, a bit of secret knowledge up their sleeve, because they were one of only four teams to do any serious running on the hard tyre. And I guess this is because in Belgium, you know, Charles Leclerc towards the end of the race was running out of tyres, and there was an active decision that they needed to do something different. Yeah, they. it's strange, but all about the Ferrari strategy has been played by Vettel, because after his uh, spawn, he, he came back to the pit lane to change his tyres, and uh, with uh, hard tyres, he, he gave a lot of uh, information to the, to the team, uh, and I think that uh, has been a, a key factor for the for the strategy and for the race uh, of Ferrari. And uh, as we've seen from Mercedes, uh, uh, has tried uh, the, to put the medium tires, but uh, even if they have a car that uh, is very sweet, very good with the spirit, this uh, 2019 Pirelli, uh, we had some problems in the in the last laps. As we as Ferrari in the 2018 race, so this time uh, Ferrari has done everything in the right way. The the key moment of this race was always going to be that first pit stop, wasn't it? Because in Belgium, the timing of that stop is what meant Hamilton couldn't catch Charles Leclerc, and we saw it again, didn't we? From lap 16, Mercedes mechanics in the pit lane, they were really trying to push Ferrari to stop early again. Yeah, yeah, but I think that Ferrari. And knows that uh, they had uh, a little advantage on the single lap uh, to evitate the, the undercut. So they've been not scared when the, the Mercedes mechanics uh, went on the pit lane. We saw in the end that Mercedes uh, were unable to trick Ferrari into stopping earlier than they wanted. They ended up pulling that undercut, like you said. Uh, Ferrari responded one lap later. Hamilton stopped on lap 19 for mediums, Leclerc on lap 20 for hards. But it was still a little bit of a risk, wasn't it? Because the hard tyre, while it lasted longer, the warm-up became a little bit of a factor, didn't it? We saw early in that stint that Hamilton was able to really push him. Yeah, uh, one key factor could be the the top speed. uh, Because uh, maybe also this thing uh, had given a little of a 
confidence to Ferrari because uh, even if uh, Hamilton passed uh, Leclerc, they they could hope in uh, an overtake uh, thanks to the the top speed of the the Ferraris of this year. And it all came down fundamentally to Leclerc being able to keep it tidy, really keep it clean out of the very few key braking zones and parabolica as well because a good exit through there meant that Hamilton wasn't able to try and move on the brakes into the first chicane uh, but we did see how close a margin it was didn't we there were a couple of times where Hamilton got close of course there was then that famous uh, push let's say if we can call it that or Leclerc running Hamilton off the road into the second chicane this has become pretty controversial hasn't it because if you're a Mercedes fan if you're a Lewis Hamilton fan this was the moment maybe that he should have been able to pass Leclerc. Leclerc was shown a black and white flag. What was your take on that move? Yeah, that was a, <laughs> a very, very hot moment. And um, I don't know if the truth is what uh, Toto Wolf uh, said after the race. So the, often the, the steward uh, didn't uh, want to, to have a replay of Canada um, because this could uh, be dangerous <laughs> for them from Formula 1. <laughs> <laughs> because the race was uh, in Italy, we know that um, stewards, uh, stewards have changed the the rules, the the way that they, they judged these uh, episodes after uh, that race, and uh, I think uh, they've they've taken the the right uh, choose in this uh, in this case because it, it was at the limit. But if we want to see race uh, and and drivers uh, fight each other and. This is the good way, the right way to to judge to judge this uh, this situation. And eventually, we saw by uh, around lap forty, Hamilton's tyres were finished, and then suddenly Valtteri Bottas came into play. It was a deliberate strategy from Mercedes to give Bottas an offset. They felt it was the only other strategy they had. They'd hoped, though, that when he came to put pressure on Leclerc, Hamilton would already be in the lead. Instead, he passed Hamilton for second place and then had 10 laps to use those tyres, fresher tyres. He got close, though, I guess, but the fact that he kept locking up, it really showed that that top speed advantage that he was trying to negate by getting a really good exit from, from the chicanes and from Parabolica was just too much for Mercedes. I think that in that situation, we have seen the, the difference between, the difference between uh, Hamilton and uh, Bottas. Bottas uh, had an, an advantage um, by the fresh tyres, but uh, he couldn't uh, do an, 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 a real attack to Leclerc. Instead, that uh, Lewis uh, has been always uh, uh, behind uh, Charles until his tires uh, were good. So this is the the typical situation when where we we saw the difference between a, a five-time world champion like uh, Lewis and a good driver like Valtteri. That's what happened in 2019. But what should we expect in 2020? Both Spa-Francorchamps and Monza are power circuits. Spa in a similar vein to Silverstone and Monza out and out low downforce. Unsurprisingly, both will therefore advantage Mercedes comfortably with the quickest engine. Pirelli's decision to bring the middle compound to both races might yet trip up Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas in the same way those same tyres did at Silverstone 2. For Belgium, this is a step softer than last year. 
but cooler weather will ameliorate any blistering problems. And as Barcelona suggested, Mercedes is more or less on top of those issues anyway. So if Red Bull Racing wants a look in at a race win, the third Grand Prix of this upcoming trio at Mugello might be its best chance. Mugello will be super fast, but also super demanding on tyres. The hardest compounds have been selected, but warm Tuscan weather combined with those rapid bends could present the sport with a real curveball, which will be welcome given this track will be difficult to overtake around. I'll be back over the next three weeks to analyse all the action from Belgium and Italy in what should be a fascinating three races. Until then, you can subscribe to The Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcast, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you next week for a review of the Belgian Grand Prix.